from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. You did it again? You just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Fight Biz. I'm your glamorous host, David Strausser. This is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. Gonna chat about some greener pastures today. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, first, though, remember if you're watching us on YouTube, you can join the channel, support us right here. You can become a baby shark for only $3 a month. Now, if giving money through big tech isn't your thing, Yes, Michael Taporek, I know that's you and you're listening right now. Okay, you can go to our fresh zombie themed coffee brand, freshest zombie themed coffee you'll probably find anywhere. Head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. Use code SHARK. You'll get 20% off your order. We'll get all the proceeds directly supporting this show right here. So, like I said, go to deadhousecoffee.com. Get fresh zombie-themed coffee delivered to your doorstep. Now, let's just jump right into today's topic. It's a rags-to-riches story of sort. Somebody that went on a trip, looked around in awe, and was like, hmm, what am I doing wrong, okay? There's got to be more to this. Dude literally moved to the U.S. and built his dream. He, he did that with one of the most unsexy, unappealing industries around. There's nothing wrong with the industry. It's just not one of those industries that you think like, hmm, I'm going to go make $50 million in this. You know, it's really a great story and hearing how this man found his success by building an incredible team around him is so inspiring and it's really motivating. I think it's going to make all those little light bulbs turn on and your business minds out there. So who do we have today? None other than Mr. Robert Clickenbeard. Robert Clickenbeard is the CEO of the Radix Group, LLC, which has offices in Greenville, Phoenix, and the UK. He is an entrepreneur, an author, and a four-time Ironman. Having sold his $20 million company, he now has several franchises, multiple real estate investments, and the largest peer group facilitation company in the United States, all while raising a large family. He is also a senior leader in EO and therefore understands the challenges of CEOs within growing companies. So, hey, I'm going to shut up right now. Let's bring Robert Clickenbeard. Yes, Robert Clickenbeard right on in here. Business strategy. Robert, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend. You just became shark bait. Well, thank you. I really appreciate being here. I, I, I don't know if I've ever been shark bait before. Uh, well, you are shark bait now. You can give us a review afterwards. Hopefully, it's a five-star review right of on course, the Google Play Store. Of course, I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So we have a tradition here on the show. Very first question we ask every single person. What's your experience? What's your background? Where have you been? Where are you going? What are you doing? Basically, tell us what makes Robert... Robert. Okay, I'll do that. So I'm originally from Scotland, uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. Never uh, would have guessed. No. Well, <laughs> no. Actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something funny. I was born in Grand Island, Nebraska. Nebraska. It, it, wow. it blows people away when I tell them that. But anyway, that's not <laughs> that's not even longer story. But uh, grew up in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, had a great life across there. Great parents and played a lot of soccer. Played a bunch of rugby and. I just got a little bit fed up with the weather, lack of opportunities. And I think the pivotal moment for me was back in 98, I, my friends and family must have been thinking I've been, I was needing a little sunny vacation. So they <laughs> said, hey, why don't you go to Arizona for a, a trip? So I did with a few friends. I had an amazing trip. This trip, was, yeah. it was sunny. It was in December, so it wasn't too hot. I was, you know, one part of my trip, I was uh, up north, I was skiing, snowboarding. The other part of my trip, I was down south in Arizona. I was um, mountain biking, I was skydiving, doing some crazy sunbathing. stuff. Sunbathing. 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 And then, uh, you know, I got back home and I thought, you know, I was listening to the rain bouncing off my window. 
it was dark outside. It was pretty miserable. And I, I, I thought back to Arizona. I thought, well, there I was. I was looking at all these people that had their second or third homes, beautiful homes. I saw all these Porsches, Ferraris, all these beautiful mm-hmm. cars. I thought, what am I doing wrong here? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I'd just been through a divorce. My job yeah. wasn't really going any, anywhere. So I am. Um, I Usually much, that's a good motivator. The it, it was a great motivator. <laughs> it was absolutely great motivator. No, I mean, serious, because it, it, it's, you know, I've been there too, and it's kind of like, okay, that's a big, big, big red reset button. Now let's figure out what, what I want. Let's uh, let's do it right this time and make sure I don't make the same mistakes. For, for sure. And it, it was between that, between just, I just feel as though I hadn't really leveled up my life yet, had to experience things. So yeah, May of 99, I packed my bag, sold my house, sold my car, and ah. arrived in Phoenix in May of uh, two thousand, May of ninety nine. And here I was walking into Phoenix Airport, coming off the plane. I was thinking, "Oh, great! I'm going to live this American dream." You know, somebody's <laughs> going to hand me a million dollars. You were born in Nebraska. Oh, no, you, were well, living the, you were living the American dream out there in Scotland, no? Well, yeah, not quite. quite <laughs> not quite there. So yeah, I was okay. expecting somebody to give me this million dollar check, you know, take me by a nice limousine, take me mm-hmm. to the Ritz Hotel, and there I was, I'd be set. Didn't happen. No. I had no credit history. I mean, even though, yeah, I was born in Nebraska, no credit history, no social security number. Pretty much nothing. So but, here but I was. being born in Nebraska, I mean, at that even at that time when you were born, not to date you or anything, but I mean, you you were still, you know, you're born in the country, you're an American citizen, you just never got a social security number, and here you are as an adult. That that had to be a difficult process. I mean, my wife's an immigrant, and we met. Uh, I lived in Mexico for 15 years, um, but for one year, I did live in Peru around 2010 uh, to 2011. And, uh, you know, eventually we ended up migrating over to the U.S. And it was always kind of hard for her being a new immigrant because she had no credit history. It's like, how come... Your social, like, like you're 30. Why do you have no activity on your social yeah. security number? You're like a ghost. You know? you're right, right. It's, it's like your ghost. Like, what? Are you in witness protection or what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was asked all these questions when I first came here. And it, it was challenging because mm-hmm. here I was. I just wanted to make a good living, a new life. Mm-hmm. But I had to go to all these offices. I had to prove myself. So, yeah, it was really challenging for the first, probably the first six to nine months. Um, just trying to get established, trying to find a place to stay, trying to find a job, uh, oh, all yeah. that stuff. It was I mean, as far as this is just me thinking, because I've been through the system, like I said, my wife being an immigrant, uh, you know, and we've my reverse migrated to Latin American countries, too. Like I have Mexican green cards, stuff like that. So we've been through a couple of immigration systems. I've always found that it's easier to just go through the embassy do you think if you would have went through the consulate or the u.s embassy up there at scotland like with your nebraskan birth certificate that it would have been easier for you to get a, a rolling start once you did arrive here um i i have no idea i mean it, no idea maybe, perhaps perhaps but uh yeah i certainly didn't do that way and uh you know even just even just things like friends you know oh, I yeah. nobody across you nobody yeah. to really talk to so it, it was, and you were know, kind of pre-internet days, so it's not like you just WhatsApp somebody or, exactly. or whatever. I mean, you couldn't just swipe right and there. I got like five friends yeah, to hang out yeah. with, right? No way, no way, not at all, <laughs> not at all. So yeah, those first you know bunch of months were just a pretty dark, dark period in my life. But you know what? I I burned that bridge, I burned that boat. And there was no way I was going home. I was just like super determined, and I just. I eventually mm-hmm. found a job. I had to buy a car with cash just to try and, you know, slowly build up my credit. Just to history, get by. Yep. Just to get by. Um, so, yeah, it was super challenging. And then uh, after I got my job, I started to work in um, uh, with a landscape company that was a little bit buying background. And after working two years for a pretty successful landscape company, I thought, you know what? Why not? You know, it reminded me of the days when I first came to Scottsdale. All these people had their own, they were all successful entrepreneurs, they were CEOs. Why mm-hmm. not? I, why don't I start my own company? 
So wow. that's what I did in 2001, end of 2001, I started up my own commercial landscape company, started up a, a small uh, storage shed, like uh-huh. a garage, and grew my business over a period of 16 years to having 350 employees, multiple wow. states, $20 million in revenue. I mean, I had a partner helping me, but it was a pretty fast and furious journey wow. over that time. But uh, yeah, that, you know, we, that, got, we got there. Amazing, amazing story, though. I mean, what, one of the things I want to comment is we get a lot of guests on this show that are like me. Okay, I was born in the coal country, Pennsylvania, and as soon as I turned eighteen, I'm like, I'm getting the heck out of here. I moved right. to Tijuana. I lived out in Mexico for like 15 years, Peru year. Hey, you know, I came up for one year stints every now and then, but eventually I ended up working for the Mexican government, you know, stuff like that. It's a fun, crazy story. But the point is, is that me living down in Mexico and I, I didn't live in the pretty area of Mexico. Like I, you got to remember, I moved down there kind of like how you did, except at least you know, you came to the States speaking English with an accent. I mm-hmm. came, <laughs> yeah, you know, people were probably <laughs> looking at you like, what are you speaking? Because I imagine it was probably worse back then. Yes, uh, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you need a translator, <laughs> even though you're just from Scotland. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. People, yeah. People would just look at me and start laughing. So uh, that's, yeah, that's funny. funny. <laughs> so like I, I moved down to Mexico where it's a totally different language. I think goodness that it was Tijuana. So there's a lot more English there being a border town. Uh, the U.S. is actually, I guess, good enough that they usually deport people to Tijuana a lot of points. Right. So a lot of deportees are there and it, a lot of great friends, you know, and, and it, it really, I think, facilitated. But it, it, it was hard. And me seeing that lifestyle, you know, whether it was people being deported or me living in a Tijuana ghetto, like a literal, literal ghetto that like with very, very poor Mexicans, most of my adult life, young adult life, you know, it really transformed me. And that's usually the story that we end up hearing, you know, like, oh, I traveled down to Brazil. I lived in Brazil for a little bit, or I lived out in Asia for a little bit. And seeing these things really just changed the way that I look at life. And it transformed me for when I got back to the United States, just to be more grateful, more open, blah, 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 you know, and I've got to say, you're the first person that's like, well, I came here and I'm seeing these sports cars. I'm seeing these huge mansions. I'm seeing, you know, everything. And I'm like, that transformed me. I'm like, I'm getting on the first plane moving to the United States and building an empire for myself. That That's pretty cool because you don't hear many people, you know, using the United States as that example, like I would use it with Mexico. You get yeah. what I'm saying? No, I, I absolutely do. Because I, I think, you know, people ask me before, were you born an entrepreneur? And I'm saying, well, yeah, entrepreneur, you know, sparked my interest. But where I grew up in Scotland was, you know, people were relying on the government. If people you know, got successful or, you know, rose above the, the cream of the crop, people people take great pleasure in trying to cut them down for whatever mm-hmm. reason. So there just wasn't that, I suppose, people didn't really embrace successful business people. So when I came across here, I felt as though my eyes were opened up. And when I saw how people lived and, you know, living in these nice houses and nice lifestyle, I thought, wow. What what do I need to do to get some of that? What do I right. need to do to level myself up? I've it was got a so motivator. much potential. Yeah, totally. I love how you said that. How do I level myself up? That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, ironically, um, well, I don't know if it's ironically, but I had a podcast guest on. It was, I think, it was last season. I got it was actually it was towards the end of last season. I think the guy's name was uh, uh, Brian. I have to look it up um, and I'll link to it in my intro. But he was also in the landscaping business. And it's kind of like, wow, you know, you're the first person I've ever met that's like become a millionaire. He's like, yeah, my dad told me to uh, start cutting grass when I was 16. I just didn't stop. I had a hundred and some employees and a you know, sold the business for a couple million dollars later, retired, and then he started a, 
um, I think uh, GreenPal uh, app or something like that. It's kind of okay. like an Uber oh, service. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I know who yep. you're talking about. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I was, to me, I was amazed because I never really thought about landscaping as far as being the big industry that it, it it really is. I mean, yes, I know lawnmowers and stuff like that, but as far as the actual labor of people that go out there, do it and make money, I always think of hyper-regional small crews, you know, like um some guy with three, four people that work and they do X amount of houses all day. You know, I think of small regional stuff. And you are the second person now, you know, thankfully to this podcast that I've met that does the same thing and has reached the same amount of, of success. So congratulations on that. Because yes, thank you. in the landscaping industry, I, I've got to admit, it's not something. It's like a hidden secret of this great oh, hidden industry. Secret, hidden secret. Yeah. Of this great industry that sort of mm-hmm. flies a little bit under the radar. People think it's just this, as you say. The because dirty... it's not sexy. Yeah, it's not sexy. But right. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's great. And it is definitely in a hidden industry, I think. And I think that people don't realize how how big it is because you sold uh, your business for what, like 20 million, I think. 20 million. The whole industry itself is 100 billion. Wow. Wow. And there, there's, is... there's huge companies out there. But yeah, you're right. You typically don't see those big companies. You see those small neighborhood companies cutting the grass. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that have made a ton of money. And what's what's nice is the fact that a lot of the business is reoccurring revenue. So how did, uh, yeah, reoccurring revenue, which is actually a huge topic, I think, in modern day business, because everybody wants that reoccurring, predictable revenue. And it doesn't matter if you have software or if you offer a service, everybody is trying to figure out, well, how do I turn that into recurring revenue? You know, even chiropractors. Okay. Well, yeah, sure. maybe you charge $75 for one visit, but, uh, you know, if you do the plan where you're paying $55 a month, you know, take it or leave it. You get one free month uh, a visit. You sign up for 12 months. The doctor takes a guaranteed revenue. Worst case scenario, they end up doing one free session a year. You know, if yeah, you use it for all. sure. No, that's great. Great. Yeah. People love that reoccurring. It helps with the multiples when they, they sell their business. So, yeah, we, we, we love the landscape industry and we used to hang out with people in the security services, janitorial, again, all little dirty, uh, hidden businesses. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you can make a lot of money. So my question then for you would be, you know, as you're growing and you're growing in one of those industries that are like a hidden industry, like you said. So it's not like there's a... a ton of guidance you can get out you know like you can just google oh how to grow a hundred million dollar landscaping company and find like five billion articles on advice i mean you're, right. you're kind of <laughs> pioneering it when you're doing it when you did it right so how, how did you learn how did you grow a business in that hidden industry how did you find mentors give us some of those details yeah no for sure uh, so you know, we started off just, we didn't really know a great deal about growing a business at first. I mean, we thought, you know, maybe we'll get to a million dollars and we'll figure things out. But um, I think one of the, the quick early learnings for us is we were not great with financials. So I think mm-hmm. within two of the years, we brought on a, a fractional bookkeeper. And then we brought on a fractional uh, CFO who would look at the high level financials. So that was a right. great first help for us. And then I joined a, a business group called the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO. And okay. being around those other business owners and hearing some of the challenges they had with either people and lack of strategy, maybe they had lack of cash, again, just helped me again, level up my business knowledge and to be able to run a bigger business. You know, most businesses are, are having the same challenges. It's just maybe in mm-hmm. slightly different markets or different industries. But, you know, we're all, there's all a lot of similarities there. So I wanted to make sure I talked, to, I, I surrounded myself with experts in the different fields. You know, through my time, I brought on somebody to help with my sales. We, we created a sales campaign and strategy. Um, mm-hmm. we, we brought somebody in to help with the operational part of things as well. So as the business grew up and scaled up, then we would either change out our existing employees or we'd bring in expertise where we would know we were a little bit weak. 
Okay. Okay. You know, that's something that I've heard a lot about. Because, for example, creative business owners. Creative business owners are usually, you know, really good. They can be literally rock stars, you know, a full-blown music band who they're really good at writing and playing music, but they really stink at the business side of it. And that's usually why they have a business manager that handles those types of things. And it's the same type of philosophy in general business, whereas whether you're a creative business owner or you're somebody like you that like, hey, I'm just building something up big and you're realizing, hmm, you know, we have gaps here. We have gaps there. You know, how do I fill those gaps and really just surround me with the best talent available because then it puts you in the best position to succeed. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I quickly identified where where my strong leaders were, where my weak leaders were, and just building people to help me, whether it be hiring the right people. I mean, I, I wasn't uh, scared about hiring people that were better than me. I wanted to bring uh -huh. people with that great experience. I mean, ultimately, I wanted to keep growing my company and whatever I needed to do to grow that, whether it be bringing software, the right people, the right strategy in place. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to listen to other people around me and ask them a bunch of questions and just really try to figure things out. I mean, yes, I made a ton of mistakes over the years. And that's part of the reason why I moved into coaching is just to try and share some of my experiences with other people mm -hmm. to hopefully they make less mistakes. But, um, yeah, we, we go into business thinking we know it all, but that's so far from the truth. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we try to fake it till we make it, right? Oh, yeah, it's for sure. That, for sure. That, that, <laughs> that's definitely how it goes. And, you know, right now what you're doing is, so you, you had that super successful landscaping business. You sold it. And right now what you're doing is you're you're doing coaching, right? Yeah, that's right. I moved into doing a you know, certified scaling up coach. I go in to help number of companies throughout the US. And then I also have a peer group company as well where we all facilitate or be like that board of directors for a group of four to six companies. And we'll meet them three, four times a year. So uh, yeah, I mean, overall, we're probably dealing with um, 60, 70 companies. But it, it, again, allows me to share what my knowledge, my experience was and allow them to make a positive impact on others and help them level up themselves. Well, first off, before we ask this question, you've said it 50 times so far this interview, the level up. So it sounds like level up is a theme with you and part of the coaching that you do. Can you, can you explain that a, a little bit? I'm sorry, I catch on pretty quick. <laughs> I feel as though all of us only operate at 30, 40% of our capacity, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be in sports, whether it be in mm -hmm. business. And a lot of time, it's just a case of how do we push ourselves or, you know, to that, those higher levels to level up? You know, mm -hmm. I had no concept at all to get in a business more than a million dollars. I had no concept you know, doing, you know, four Ironman races. I had no concept to being successful in the States and have a, a wonderful family. I, I think it's just by being pushed out of the nest to learning through my mistakes. Um, I, I have another phrase I use, only good things happen on the other side of fear. Because I think a lot of people will get into that I fear like that. situation and they'll back away from that. Whereas mm -hmm. I think you get more experience more gain from leaning into that fear and learn from that and then go to that next level so yeah i'm i'm i don't feel as though i'm i'm special in any way i've just been you know leaned into the fear surrounding myself with good people and mm -hmm. being given the opportunity to to take myself to places where I never even imagined. As far as the fear goes, I totally, totally agree with you. I think we're on the same page except for one small area. And that's where, you know, it's spiders. I will not lean into that fear. <laughs> I let my wife get all the experience that she wants. I so, it. I mean, the, you'll have the smallest spider and we'll be using like a full gallon of bug spray. Is it dead yet? Is it dead yet? We we're both arachnophobics. It's funny. But uh salt, salt <laughs> guns. That's what my wife salt uses. Guns. Salt for guns. spiders? For spiders. For all bugs. I didn't oh I did not know. So I know salt works with 
some insects. I did not know that the sock guns work for spiders. No, nope. yep, work for spiders. We fog my house. My neighbors laugh at me because I constantly outside <laughs> spray. We'll get like big nasty whoop spiders outside. Uh, right. We're in a little bit of a wooded area, and I really hate <laughs> spiders. You know, like I hate when I'm laying in bed and all of a sudden I see a big huge spider shoot across like my comforter, like first thing in the morning or something like that it freaks me out so i'm constantly fogging my house like every two to three months it it is and it, it makes a big difference well it does however i think they're becoming immune to it because uh -uh. we just fogged our house about four weeks ago and we already have like we're killing spiders almost daily so i think I think maybe we use the poison gas too much. Is uh, that well, possible? To become immune, possibly. Back with you. I mean, one thing we haven't mentioned, and we probably should because your, your coaching business, like Iron Man Minds, right? Uh, your book is Iron Man Mindset. Part of the reason that you have the Iron Man in there is because you were also a four-time Iron Man, I believe, correct? Correct, yep. I, so, you know, I grew up playing a lot of um, soccer or football, I should say, um, yeah, yeah. rugby. And, you know, my, my body was getting pretty beat up as I was getting a little bit older. So yeah. I started to move into to running. And then I, for some reason, I got sucked into this local triathlon club. And they said, oh, come and, you know, do a race with us. I started doing some smaller sprint races, you know, super That's short. That's how it always starts, Robert. Oh, for totally. <laughs> and, you know, you can't really see me, but I'm, you know, big guy. I'm 210, 220, you know, Ugh. big legs. So swimming was terrible. I could literally swim one minute to the pole with uh, breaststroke. But wow. I eventually got the courage <laughs> to start doing more and more races and back in 2009, I signed up for my first Ironman race. And yeah, it was pretty daunting. But you know, but back to one of the things I said earlier, yes, I, I put myself out there. I stretched myself past those limits that I thought were um, holding me back. And I ended up doing the race in just over 11 hours. Um, you know, for me to even think that here I am going to swim in the open mm -hmm. water nearly two and a half miles, and then wow. jump in a bike and do 112 bike and then run a small race, small marathon. I would have just told them they were absolutely insane. So, but what, what was interesting amongst all this was I, I still had my business at the time. So I'm still looking right. after the agent, 50 odd employees, multiple states. And somehow I had to carve out 20 odd hours in my wow. schedule to train for these races. So you can only I was under that. I was under the the impression that you were because I mean you you kept saying like yes you did rugby and soccer football you know if you're across <laughs> the pond uh, you know you did soccer football rugby stuff when you were younger so I had thought that this had meant that you did that when you were younger but no you were scaling up your twenty million dollar a year revenue business while training 20 plus hours a week for these Ironman competitions. Yep, for sure. I was getting up early in the morning, you know, 4, 4.30. I was out the door doing either my running or biking, get changed and going to work at 8-ish. And then during the day, I then go and find some time to carve out and do some swimming. So I had to be, you know, super organized. I had to do you know, my training plan. Nice. I prepared the night before. I had to make sure my work agendas were all prepared to prepare for meetings. So I had to be laser focused on both those things. I mm -hmm. uh, make sure that I was looking after myself. To, you know, I still had a lot of energy there, but I, there was there was a lot of balancing there. I had to make sure I had roadmaps in place to make sure I knew where I was going in the future. So uh, yeah, it, it took a lot of effort. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I managed to pull off. I got two comments with that. First one is I think too many people, and myself included, uh, waste too much time on non-important things. And if you cut out some of those non-important things, something like 20 hours a week for training, okay, that's a no-brainer. I mean, there are so many hours a week that people are just wasting, especially now, 
binging on Netflix, stuff like that. Social and, media, yeah. Yep. And the thing is, I used to be so much more focused, like laser focused. And I, I will admit, uh, I've been doing a lot of self-critique in this past uh, two months. The pandemic has 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 crushed me, has broke my, my routines uh, completely. And I've now have become fully aware of it. And I think I've also, because of where we're at in the pandemic, so I've kind of adjusted to pandemic life and adjusted to, hey, this is a new reality. And I've seen, okay, now my new life or the new normal, probably for the next year, 18 months, who knows? It's probably not going to be like it was before, but it's going to be this. How do I adjust to this? Get these routines, get these schedules, get these good healthy habits back into my life that were there beforehand, you know, just adjusted, tweaked, modified, you know, for our, our new reality. Do you think there's any any truth to that? I, I, I think there is. Oh, 100%. There's people have just slipped into what, what they're comfortable with. And if that's, have you slipped? I have slipped a little bit, but I'm now yeah. back on track. I um I think my weight started to go up. I just didn't quite feel as fit. And that's so where I'm at right really, now. That's really where I'm at right easy, now. Really easy to slip into that. So hey, you know, yeah. you know, being able to admit that though, I mean, like you just uh, you didn't even think uh, about it. If it was like a, a quarter second delay, and you're like, yeah, I did, I did slip. That's huge. I think that shows the mindset of where you're at. And that is you leading by example, really believing what you're coaching people in because you're, you're able to have that true conversation. Like, yeah, hey, even I mess up. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah for sure. And it's, it's still, I mean, it's not easy. Not yeah. easy for anybody. And that's why I'm a firm believer that either the night before or the morning of, you're, you're coming up with a tool, whether it be, I use a, use a Panda Planner. And I'll write down what my goals for today. What and I have goals around. Did you? I'm sorry, it might be the accent. Did you say a panda planner, like one that's yep. colored like a panda? I'll, I'll use a. It's a you know, it's a brand called Panda. Panda oh, planner. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, every every day, I will use that planner religiously to plan out my day, and I'll set some goals around what what are my health goals. And then secondly, what's my wealth goals? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to move the needle in my wealth goals? And then the last one is what what are some of the goals around relationships? But that could be around my, you know, improving my relationship with my wife or my kids. Right. So I'll set them at the beginning of the day. So I'm very intentional about every single day. And at the end of the day, I'll look back and say, okay, was I successful in those goals? That's very myth. Very granular. It sounds like you're getting with with the girls. Maybe I'm doing it uh, wrong because I don't go as deep. And I did just Google the the panda platter. <laughs> and, uh, they do have pandas on them, but they are about being happier and more productive. But with that, I mean, is that something you typically suggest and coach to people when you're coaching these CEOs and these businesses as far as getting? that granular like hey today my goal is don't piss off my wife you know things like that absolutely i, I get awesome. that granular because i think sometimes if you have too big of a goal then that, that can get lost it just becomes so right. unob- unobtainable whereas i'm more about what, what are some of those easy wins you can achieve on a daily basis you know some people say oh you're you're telling people to go out and do an ironman i'm not saying that i said but if you're not exercising right now you know, could you could you go out tomorrow and walk around the block, and then the mm-hmm. day after walk a little bit further? So those small wins. Yeah, I'm lucky. Oh, I live in a circle. There you go, perfect. Half mile circle. Well, I, I've got a good friend who, during the pandemic, he was restricted to how far he could go from his house. He did a hundred mile run through one hundred one mile loops. Wow, your friend wasn't for a scup, was he? No. <laughs> but it takes it takes a lot of like mental you know fortitude to have that discipline to go and do that and it was nice though because you know his family were able to come out and support him through you know giving him food and drink but you know he was restricted through his travel so he went out and 
achieve what he wanted to achieve to push himself, but do in a way that, you know, it was a win-win. No, that, that, that's amazing. Hey, I got two final quick questions for you and then we'll let you promote your, your book and everything else you got going on there. Uh, first one is one of the things that caught me, caught my eye with the, the press kit that you, your, your team has sent over to me was asking you about the principles behind MIA. What is MIA exactly? MIA is around mindset. So every okay. single day, we're, we're hit with challenges and barriers. How do we get through those? All about mindset. What, what, what we're trying to achieve in the future. The I is around being intentional every single day. Again, mm-hmm. there's, there's it's a difference between being busy and being productive. So right. what are some of the goals you want to achieve every single day? Busy and versus e- being productive. I like that. Yeah. And then the last one is, you know, again, actionable. So what type of action, how granular are you going to get every single day to, to move the needle to try and achieve what you want to achieve? So that's, that's the MIE concept to talk about. This is one of the reasons I left Pennsylvania originally was um, I got tired of hearing, hey, your head's in the cloud, you know, stop dreaming, stuff like that. And it's like, no, I want the world. So I kind of went out and find places that have, I mean, I'm telling you, if you can't find people that have their heads in the cloud in Tijuana, you're doing something wrong. Uh, because I mean, that it, it's it's crazy. And I'm talking about like just people trying to find crazy ways to to make money. It was great. It's like an entrepreneur's paradise, and it really gave me a, an amazing foundation to build my life. But I've always lived by the phrase, you know, you have to have one eye on the future. You have to know what's going on now. You have to know you know, your reality, your short-term needs, but you also have to have one eye stuck in the future. You need to know where you want to be, whether tomorrow, five, 10 years from now, because the the decisions you make today are going to determine how close or how far away you are from those mid to long-term goals. And I think oftentimes people forget about that and they're too stuck looking in the now. Yeah, the now or in the, in the middle, what's happened in the past, and complaining about it. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah, and, look, look know, at the future and where we're going. History repeats itself to a degree, I think. But that's where you get into the nuance of the situation. And a lot of people don't look at the nuance in the situation. Like if I'm running marketing or I say I'm a sales rep, uh, a, a company and maybe even a new sales rep, you got all that new energy and stuff like that. And I want to do this and, you know, sales manager or marketing. No, we did that in the past and it failed. Well, do you ever think it failed because you had the wrong person doing it or you had the wrong strategy doing it or you didn't do it right? Like, dude, I had a lot of success doing this and doing it this way. You know, you hired me for a reason. Give me that trust. I think there's a lot of situations that, People, especially, you know, biz dev world, being a business owner, anywhere, they run into uh, situations like that. And they always constantly judge the past instead of just looking to the future. And, you know, maybe things can be done differently, be done better and be done more efficiently. For sure. Especially you look at the last 18 months. I mean, all Mm -hmm. those old selling techniques were out the window going through COVID. Oh, yeah. So, you know, people... They could either sit there and complain or they just had to pivot and adapt and figure out new ways of selling. Uh, so that's you know, the difference. I went old school uh, and I've, I've showed this on the, the school. I got a probably 20 plus year old sales book that I started reading during COVID. Uh, the Sales Bible, Jeffrey Gittimer. This is an excellent book. Now, I did not get the version. They have one that was updated five years ago that includes social media. I didn't get that version. I got the version before that. And the reason is, is because social media from five, six years ago is not going to be relevant to today. So it's like, no, I don't want to waste time on that. I mean, too many things have changed in that forms. But if you look at sales principles, mindset, stuff like that, I went old school. A lot of this stuff, I think during COVID was so important because there are things that we've kind of forgotten gotten about and how things have been shifted during this pandemic that 
reading a book. In my case, I listen to it because I like how Jeffrey Gittimer explains things verbally. And then I read the book after. Um, but it, it reminded me about, oh, yeah, you know, this and this. Hey, and you know what? Actually, we should be doing this because now with how we sell, this can actually apply again because we're doing things digitally like this. So I don't know. It kind of reinvigorated me, my sales cycle. I think my sales team to a degree, and it's helped us a lot. That's cool. So, That's awesome. Um, anyways, very, very last question I got to ask you. Um, what are the advantages, disadvantages, American business owners versus Scottish business owners? <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, obviously the accent helps a lot. So people, you know, it tends <laughs> to get you in the, through the door a little bit more. People wait, 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 which to, one? You're talking about the American accent over in Scotland, right? Yes. <laughs> Just turn that table on you, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got to use what's <laughs> unique about yourself. So. Right. If you've got that different accent, then use that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the Scottish people are super hardworking people, you know, salt of their life, just just great, great people. So I feel as though just that extra grit, determination, um, you know, especially when I came across the States. I mean, I, I dug in. I wanted to be successful. I wasn't yeah. going to go back home. So that true grit, determination, that hard work ethic, I think definitely proved me well in growing my business through time so yeah I, I take advantage of that so the 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 scottish stubbornness you're trying to say totally totally <laughs> i'm okay no. saying that because it's so true hey i'm scott you know what if i wasn't getting older my beard growing up was always bright red because of the mix of irish scottish i got in me so oh, that's awesome it, yeah 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 it was you should grow weird. that out grow that out you know, it was kind of weird because I grew up with brown hair, okay? But my beard, my whole life has always been red. I've had a red beard, brown hair. That's awesome. I love it. Isn't it? As I got older, it's gotten, um, you know, like darker, lighter, stuff like it. It's changed colors a little bit the last, right. I think, three, four years. But up it until then, it was used to be bright red. It was the craziest thing. Gives but, you character. Gives you character. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So how about you tell us about your book, Iron Man Mindset? And uh, I don't know, I'm kind of getting the hint that you might have a podcast as well. Uh, I don't know how you could tell that. But yeah, my, my Mindset <laughs> for Entrepreneurs is my book. I came out with it um, two and a half years ago. I just came out with an updated version. It's short reads, maybe 100 pages. It just talks about that journey, how you can apply that Iron Man principles into your business, where you're taking your business. And you know, surrounding yourself with the right people. So you can get to it through my website, the radixgroupllc.com or obviously on Amazon, but yeah, it's a super short reads. And then, yeah, I, I have my commercial landscapers podcast, which yes, I, there's a, there is an element of um, landscaping talked about, but I bring in some amazing business owners and all different businesses and get them to share what made them successful in their business. And, you know, if you could take two or three nuggets back to, to your own business, then that's the success for me. So, yep. uh, yeah, and people can contact me through thing LinkedIn as well and uh, hear my story and see if I can help you in any way. That, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, story indeed. You do have an incredible story to tell. It's one of those uh, warm and fuzzy inspirational stories that I just like to tell everybody about. So <laughs> thank you well, so thank much you. for coming you. on. Uh, everybody out there, doesn't matter if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on iTunes spotify wherever you're at make sure you check out the commercial landscapers podcast please get grab his book iron man mindset for entrepreneurs at the radix group and we're going to make sure that we have links to both of those down below in the description again doesn't matter if you're on youtube or if you're on the audio version of the podcast they'll be both of there hey robert Thank you so much for coming on. This is this has been fun. You yeah, no, I've enjoyed it. Great conversation. Really, thank you for having me on as a guest. Really appreciate it. American football or Scottish football? Last question. Uh, Scottish football, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess we'll end there. That's the mic drop. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Such a great chat with Robert, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, please do us a favor. Hit that like button, smash that re uh, subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, 
please share us out here at network. Get us out there, friends, family, colleagues on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you dwell on the interwebs. Share Shark Bite Biz as we are the greatest kept secret out there in the world of business. I'd love nothing more to see Robert, Shark Bite Biz, heck, even me, as long as it's for good things, out there treading on the web. So let's get back to our Iron Man guest, okay? Robert, again, with some of these awesome points, because I really want to touch on some of these topics. Um, again, I can't reiterate how much is how awesome, how amazing I think this story is. It's yet another person on this very show that had a very similar experience to me, but very different at the same token. It was that travel experience of going somewhere and having it really just change your life. Now, I was kind of caught off guard because I think he's the first person to come on this show where that foreign travel was to the United States. Now that I think about it, I mean, the cliche, the, the you know, everybody says it, the American dream, right? We've even said it on this show a few episodes ago. We were talking about it with Odita Pine. If you remember on that episode, I think that was uh, episode 111 or somewhere around there she was, uh, you know, only about six weeks ago since this is published, maybe eight weeks. Uh, but when she came on, we were talking about that American dream. So I guess there is that aspect that foreigners have and you kind of come here and there's that culture shock if it is different you know you're from a small town and even a place uh you know like scotland you go to you know a place like phoenix in the united states there's that culture shock it is going to be totally different i mean you get it going from a small town in the usa in the middle of nowhere to one of the major cities like a new york or in Los Angeles or someplace like that. So imagine coming from a place like Scotland. That's where it's got to be totally different. And I really love the fact that I think today really kind of confirms to me that inspiration from travel really can happen from anywhere. Um, it's not just, you know, American going to poor country, you know, or a poorer country and living in a rough area or visiting rough areas. I mean, it happens people see in America and it's like, wow, what am I doing, Rog? How do I get that? And that's pretty awesome. I like that mentality because we're going to have an episode coming on in, you know, in a couple more down with good friends of mine. We just recorded the interview the other day. Tiffany Largy, okay, um, and her business is Do the Damn Thing. Uh, she is the CEO of Do the Damn Thing Nation, and it is really, really awesome. We're just people that are, hey, stop talking about it. Go out there and do the damn thing. To me, that is an incredible mindset, and I kind of get that vibe with Robert, which was so cool because we, like, interviewed Robert and then I interviewed Tiffany essentially like the next day and when I interviewed Tiffany I was thinking back on writing this intro and outro for Robert's interview it was kind of like wow you know Robert went all in he just went in and did the damn thing he started his own business he moved first then he started his own business and that's what I'm really impressed with is how this four-time Ironman was able to build a $20 million company in landscaping. I mean, that's just truly incredible. It's not a sexy industry, okay? I think sometimes in this Instagram influence world that we live in, people are looking for the glam. I mean, they just want that glamour shot, something that's like, oh, look at me, I'm luxury, you know? Uh, you can't spell my name without putting a big capital L on it or whatever. You get, you get what I'm saying, okay? It doesn't matter if it's trash or if it's landscaping. Oftentimes, the more unattractive an industry or an occupation is, the lower the fruit is going to be to innovate that industry and really create a major impact like Robert did. So that that's really cool. And to hear this story again... You know, it, it just really just reiterates everything that that we've been stressing so many times at so many different points of this show. I mean, it's just so many that you can't name them all, uh, but you can go back to a number of episodes 
where this type of mentality is kind of reinforced. And it's just awesome to see it done once again with Robert here on the show. Many good leaders learn. This is one of the biggest points that I picked up talking with Robert. Eventually, not always, you know, not always right away, but eventually they need to surround themselves. And when I say they, I'm talking about good leaders, okay? Eventually, good leaders need to surround themselves with good people. Robert could not have built that $20 million business alone. He's not a financial whiz. Yeah, he understands some finances, and I'm sure as he got older, he got wiser. But the all-star CFO he got was really what allowed his business to move up to the next level, or as he says, you know, level up, essentially. He leveled up his business when he got the CFO, and I imagine that came with accounting software and stuff. So that's why I kind of feel the parallel with the same thing that I do at my day job there, Vision 33, you know, our accounting software, um, we get that with the small businesses that we work with. And it basically gives them the expertise as their growth partner to break through barriers preventing growth and really shoot through any glass ceilings there may be. We don't do the, you know, the, the CFO, the accountant work. We just provide the tools that are in the tool belts for all stars like the fractional CEO, uh, CFO and stuff like that that Robert mentioned. A good business leader like Robert is going to realize that you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. But we take that another step further. You're only as good as the people and the tools you surround yourself with. So please make sure you grab a copy of the Iron Man Mindset. We'll link down to it below the description and check out the Radix group. I mean, Robert, he's an amazing dude. I think you're gonna love the story. Question of the day. Do you surround yourself with the best of the best? Leave a comment down below on YouTube. I'd love to hear your stories and how you build up your teams. Do you want to be on the show? If so, please, interviews at sharkbitefizz.com. Please don't forget to join the channel. $3 a month, you can become a baby shark. Or head on over to deadhousecoffee.com where you can get the freshest zombie-themed coffee ever made delivered directly to your doorstep. Use code SHARK. You get 20% off. Then we'll get all the proceeds. Help build this channel. Make it bigger. Make it better. And you all know this by now, but I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Fight Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.